Hope you're having a great summer and uh, got some time to recoup and rejuvenate uh, next weekend. I won't be here. We are going on an adventure. Um, we've never done this before as a family. We are uh, going to uh, tent together. So if we arrive back here together, that'll be a miracle. But uh, anyway, next weekend we're tenting and then I have got a hotel reserved for the middle portion and then we'll turn a tent again at the end if we still have the stamina. We might return early. We'll see. But uh, we're, we're tenting in the Okanagan next weekend and spending some time with some family, some missionary friends. And so that's where I'm going to be next weekend. And so um, that's part of summer. George Barna, who's a researcher in the United States, uh, does stuff about ministry and leadership pastors. In March of 2022, did a survey and found out that 43% of pastors in full-time ministry had considered leaving the ministry in the last year. 43%. In January of 2021, that same survey, it was at 29%. So a 13% increase, which makes sense in light of the context of what we were living, right? There was just a lot of craziness, a lot of weirdness, which churches are full of weirdness anyway, but you add the, the dynamics of the last three years, and it just, it boiled all the crazies to the surface, and, and the pastors often had to deal with these, these, you know, factions within the church fighting over trivialities and stupidities, and, and so it makes sense that they want to quit. I have felt that way. Not necessarily in the last year, but I mean, you know, there's points where you, you wonder, you sit there and you think, man, what else could I do, you know? And, and the, the guy we're looking at today has had those feelings. Maybe you felt like quitting your job. But even worse, maybe you felt like quitting church, quitting faith, giving up on God. Maybe you haven't vocalized it or shared that publicly in your life group or with me, your pastor, but, but deep down you're like, why do I do this? Is it really worth it? And in the end of the book of Colossians, seated in the church, listening to the letter being read, is one such man named Archippus. We'll call him Archie for our purposes today. A little-known, obscure man found in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 17. And here, here's the mention of his name, in verse 17 of chapter 4, it says, Tell Archippus, Archie, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now imagine this, right? The church is like this, gathered together. Paul's, you know, Paul's written this letter. Uh, one of the leaders is reading this letter to the whole church. Archie is sitting back there behind the pillar. He's pretending to read his Bible on his phone, but he's actually playing a word game or something like that. You know, like he's he's face, he's you know he's not I mean, not even in, in the moment. And all and all of a sudden at the end of the letter, you know, he's like, okay, is it, was this letter ever going to end? And I said, oh, wait, by the way, tell Archippus. And everyone's neck turns and looks at Archippus. Boom, you know. Pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord. The only other time Archippus' name is mentioned is this tiny little letter called Philemon. And that's, you know, Philemon verse 2, and, and he, he mentions it to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, to the church that meets in your house. The book of Philemon is a companion letter to the book of Colossians. It's a, it's a letter written to a personal guy who owned a slave, who ran away. The slave meets the Apostle Paul, we assume, and becomes a Christian. And the Apostle Paul is sending him back to Philemon. And Archippus is part of that household. He's referred to as the fellow soldier. Now, 
Paul didn't throw out these type of accolades, you know, cheaply or without thought. I mean, he clearly is a frontline minister of the gospel in the trenches doing the work with the Apostle Paul and all of his team of, of evangelists and church planners. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's, the, he's the, you know, the Navy SEALs of, of, of gospel ministry, Archippus. But as he writes the book of Colossians, he's like, you know, I, I know Archippus is tempted to, to just throw in the towel. Or maybe just to slip it into neutral and just let the, let the car kind of just glide and slowly on, onto the shoulder and, and into the ditch and kind of just sit down there and watch everyone else go by. In, in our world today, there's a, a movement, especially amongst the young, younger group, it's called deconstructionism, where... Um, young adults, middle-aged adults are, are deciding, to, deciding that they don't believe in God anymore. Uh, famous musicians, and, and sometimes I think, you know, they got caught up in a celebrity culture. I don't know that they were really understood what it meant to follow Jesus. Anyway, ultimately, I think it's, it's an issue of authority. And at the end of the day, they don't want an authority in their life. And so they, it, by deconstructing, then I assume full control for my life, which is scary because you can't drive your own life. You need God. Archippus hasn't reached that point yet, but he's, he's tempted to just slide and, and not really get it done and, and finish. And in this little verse is mentioned for us three kind of components, I would say, of, of how, to, how do you finish well in life that we can learn from Archippus in our own lives. And, and I would say those three things are, you know, first of all, a need to, to have focus. Secondly, a need to be faithful. And then thirdly, a need to finish but first of all focus you know you need to know where you're going he says to Archippus pay attention in the old translation said take heed we don't talk like that anymore but like you know like watch out look out heads up Archippus if we've been speaking to you guys he'd be like quit texting and you're driving or quit snapping or chatting or twitting or whatever you're doing while you're driving and, and just look and put your hands on the wheel and pay attention to where you're driving maybe you you took that driver's ed instruction and the instructor told you yeah you tend to steer where you're looking so if you're looking in the ditch boom, why the most dangerous place to have an accident is where an accident has already occurred why because everyone's watching the accident boom you know and I had a fireman who said, you know, the, the dangerous part of his job in, in Calgary Fire Department was attending to motor vehicle accidents on the Deerfoot because guys would get hit, cars would get hit. You know, it was, he's like, God, I'm going to a burning building. That's easy, but watch out on the Deerfoot. I mean, someone's going to run you over. Pay attention. Focus. Know where you are going. The whole book of Colossians has centered on Jesus Christ, right? Let's, let's, let's keep our eyes on on Christ. Look where you're going. But somehow Archippus, in his journey, had begun to maybe look at the discouragements, the unfinished work, the fact that, that people let you down, the fact that sometimes God's promises are slow to be realized, the fact that, that, that even though the gospel is the good news and freedom of salvation, that many still choose to reject it. In fact, be you know, violent against it. Say, like, come on, why wouldn't you want this? But some people just don't want it. And Archie's wondering, is it really worth it? But he says, focus. Know where you are going. 
In Luke 9, verse 62, Jesus is talking to this guy, and this guy offers to follow Jesus. But first got to go home and, and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replies to him and says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, is fit for the kingdom of God. So I have a picture here. It's a small little picture. <laughs> but you can see there, you see that? This Amish guy got a text in the middle of this row, right? And he's, you know, and it's, it's, it's curved. You know, if you've noticed the little red lines in the parking lot, we, we sprayed that last week so people could park. And I was, I was spraying that, and Elisa was helping me line it up. But the moment I wasn't looking at Elisa and, and paying attention, you'll notice those lines are all over the place. Jesus is like, you know, if you're really wanting to follow me, you got to stay focused. You can't put your hands and keep looking back, wondering, oh man, what am I leaving behind? Archippus, stay focused. That's a challenge for us today, too. Maybe you've, you've felt like your life hasn't been focused. Maybe you've been focusing on the wrong things. You know, you get a lot of news feeds and different social media and the legacy media and all that stuff, and you hear all sorts of stories, and you're, you're, oh, do I need to start prepping? And you know, do I need to buy a generator, build a bomb shelter? I mean, you know, and, and you're not focusing on the right things in this moment. When I was born, Christians were building bomb shelters in the 70s, expecting Christ to return any moment. So understand, things haven't changed. And Archie's condition is one that we can relate to. Pay attention. Put your hands to the plow and move forward. Stay focused. He calls them to, secondly, to faithfulness. Uh, recognize who's leading you. He says, you know, pay attention to the ministry you've received from the Lord. You, you've been given a, a, a great gift, an opportunity, a privilege. I mean, Jill and Tammy are inviting you to be a part of, of, of perhaps and definitely an eternally significant moment in the life of someone in your life. They're saying, come and, and do something that will last beyond this world because 95% of what you guys do won't really matter in five years, 10 years, 15 years. All the stuff you're slaving away at, well. But when you work with people, when you share the gospel and you faithfully dedicate yourself to that, you are building up something that could last forever. Faithfulness. I think an example of this is found in the Old Testament. The, the, the guy named Caleb. Caleb is, is this uh, old man now in, in Joshua 14, you know, the 40 years, 45 years earlier, the, the, uh, the um, the Israelites had gotten to, to the edge of the promised land. And, and Moses sends in these 12 spies. The 12 spies come back. And two of the guys, Caleb and Joshua, are like, yeah, let's do it. We got this. Ten of them are like, no, we can't do this. Oh, we're afraid. We're, we're like grasshoppers. We're going to be dead. And, and, you know, and, and so God's like, okay, turn around, head back to the wilderness. And for 40 years, all the old people die. Doom, 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 doom. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Caleb has the 
dubious honor of, of having attended more funerals than any other person. And Caleb sits in the shadow of Joshua. Joshua is the, you know, the leader elect under Moses. He becomes the new servant of the Lord. Joshua is the second fiddle always. How would you feel about that? Never ever getting to the top. You're just always underneath that top guy. But John, Caleb doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to bother him. And here they are at the end of the conquest. They finally crossed into the promised land. He's the old man fighting with all the young guys. And he's like, he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to scalp the land. And I brought back an honest report. And he says, my brothers went with me and caused the people to lose heart. But I followed the Lord my God completely. On that day, Moses swore to me, the land where you have set your foot will be an inheritance for you and your descendants forever because you have followed the Lord my God completely. He walked in the hill country of Hebron. I have a picture of it here. It's kind of like uh, the South Okanagan. Now, when you live in the mountains, you have a clear advantage when you're fighting because you know every crevice, every little valley, every little spot to sneak up and to hide, every place to hold. You know, so, so this was not easy fighting, especially for an 85-year-old. But he's like, let me go there. You know, do you know that, that the three giants live in that valley? Exactly. That's why I want to go there. Let me take him on. God promised it to me. I'm claiming that promise now, Joshua. Let me go in there. And in verse 14 of Joshua 14, it says, Therefore Hebron still belongs to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kizanite, as an inheritance today, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, completely. He was faithful. I mean, if anyone had a reason to quit and to give up on God, Caleb did. Imagine, you're paying the price for the unfaithfulness of a whole group of people, right? I mean, 10 to 2. They're the minority, and God's like, okay, i got to clear this out. i got to teach this new generation what it means to follow me in faith. And, and all the old people die, and this young group moves into the promised land, and there's two patriarchs there, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua the leader, Caleb the second fiddle. Now, as the old man, he could have said, yeah, there's some real nice territory down there. There's not a lot of people down there. It's great farmland. Let me take that. But he said, no, no, give me the hardest, most difficult, biggest giants, and I'm taking it on. Because I believed it then, and I still believe it now. Faithfully followed the Lord his God completely. God says of him in Numbers 14, he has a different spirit. You've been given a gift. If you have salvation in Jesus Christ, you've been entrusted with something incredibly precious and valuable. And as, as one entrusted, you are now a steward of that. You, you look after it. And God invites us to not only focus, but also to be faithful to him. To, to not lose heart and to be loyal in our commitment and our obedience in following Jesus Christ. Are you focused? Are you faithful? What are you looking at? Who are you following? And the last picture I, I would say is, is this idea of, of finish. Run to win. You know, there's people that just run. I mean, you, you, you remember. I mean, if you were like me, you were forced to run in, in certain things, right? We had this thing called milk run. 
we're, I don't know, we were running for milk, and then there's a Terry Fox run, and there's a run, 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 whatever, you know. But there were always the Keeners at the beginning that, that really wanted to run the race, that wanted to win the race, that, that you know, were, 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 you know, wearing shorts and running shoes and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know stretching out. And, and then there was the rest of us that were like, we're being forced to run this, you know. In BC, there was actually a little place where you could skip out on part of the track if you got there quick enough and hit the bush and cut across and then jump up on the road and you could sort of, you know, on the milk run, we could skip out if we were careful and the teachers didn't see us, you know, I mean, we were real, real, you know, real winners, weren't we, you know, but run to win. The book of Hebrews in 12 verse 1, he says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Could it be that God has set a track for you to run in? But the point is that God sets the track. He encourages you. He, he gives you all the resources you need to run it. But then he's like, I can't run it for you. Come on, you parents, you know how this feels, right? You want to win that game for your kid. You want him to win that musical award at the competition, at the Kiwanis Music Festival. I mean, you want to do it. But at the end of the day, they have to do it. You've sent them to lessons. You've encourage them to practice. You've, you know, got extra training, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, they put on the shoes and they get on the court or the skates and they're on the ice or they're playing the piano or the violin, whatever they're doing, and they're on their own. And God says, I've given you everything to be successful and to finish this race, but you got to run it. So finish the race. One of the guys that uh, has a picture here. Uh, you know who that is? Dun, 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 you know, like, this is this is Eric Liddell, Chariots of Fire. Uh, maybe for a more modern version, in the 2012 London Olympics, they played this song at the opening ceremonies, and Mr. Bean was playing the, the synthesizer. Dun, 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 dun. You're gonna watch that YouTube. It's really funny. Dun, dun, dun. But here it is, Eric Liddell. He said, I will not race on Sundays. And so he skipped the race that he had trained for, and he instead ran in the 400, a race he had not trained for, a race that he was not placed to, you know, uh, you know, to, to finish in a high, high regard. But, but he, he ran that 400 meter in an unconventional manner and won the gold medal. Shocked everyone. In his pocket, or he had been given a note beforehand where it says, you know, he who honors me, I will honor. A friend had given it to him. He ran the race. The movie is not 100% accurate, but it's pretty close. But the real challenge for Eric Liddell Little was not the 1924 Olympics. It was as a missionary in China after the fact. When all the, the, the foreigners were taken out and he stayed behind and was placed in a camp for the foreigners, a camp that didn't have flush toilets or showers, and his family went back to Canada and he stayed there as the chaplain, as the pastor's Uncle Eric to the campers. Leading services, Bible studies, praying, providing support, modeling the life of Christ. That was the toughest race he had to denying himself as a tumor grew in his brain. The guards knew his reputation as a gold medalist Olympic, and so they made him run races, even in his sickened condition against other guards. I mean, but he just 
kept going. He, initially on Sundays, he didn't really, like he would organize sports all in the week and then he didn't do stuff on Sundays and he noticed the kids were fighting on Sundays so he actually said, you know what, it's better for me to ref the game on Sunday than have the kids fighting out in the yard. So he, his convictions even changed and he said, you know what, what is the better thing? And so he wasn't a legalist. He's like, you know what, I'll, I'll ref the, 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 you know, the field hockey match on Sunday because I don't want these guys taking each other out with these sticks. And, you know. so, so he was just was a gracious man but he finished the race. Died in the camp. That's the part of the story that's not in the movie. But it's the part of his Christian character that just says, this is what God calls us to, to be faithful to the end, to finish. So many people start and so many people hit the middle of the race, but not everyone makes it to the end. I want to finish well. And I want you as my church to finish well. I'm going to push you to finish well. At times, you're not going to want to be pushed. I'm not, I don't want to be pushed. It's, it would seem easier just to, just to slip out of the race and watch everyone else run by. But, but, but you know, someone comes on and says, come on, let's go. And then they're, they're encouraging you. They're running beside you. Uh, I've never run a marathon. I've, I'm not that crazy. I don't need to do that to fill my, my soul. But, but I've had a few friends that are running. They said, what's key is that sometimes they have friends that are, are watching on the road. And as they come by, they'll, they'll run with them for a couple hundred yards, right? And, and that just gives them the boost that they need. That's why you come to church on Sunday morning. Because you maybe be getting fizzed out by Friday, Saturday. And you show up at the church on Sunday and you got a few friends running beside you and you're like, oh yeah, I can do this. And hopefully you leave here and your knees are a little bit higher. Your gate's a little bit wider. You just have a little more energy because you're like, yeah, I'm not in this race alone. I'm running it together. I'm not quitting. So the sermon is for me, first and foremost. Because there are men like me that have quit, have thrown in the towel. There's others that have disqualified themselves because they've made poor choices on the route. They've tried to shortcut or they've just gone off the route. And you see those in the internet and on the news and it's, it's unfortunate. And some of you might say, well, it's nice for Archippus because he was a minister, he was a pastor, he was a church planner, he was on the lead team. I mean, I mean, how does this apply to me? Well, the Bible says that we all have a race to run and, and a ministry to fulfill. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10 there. We are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is not written to a specific group of Navy SEAL gospel ministers. It's written to every believer. It's the verse right after, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says, because you wear his masterpiece. You might not feel like you're a masterpiece. I never did. I never made the top 10 list or the starting lineup. I, I get it. I kind of feel like a, an old piece of discarded marble that someone had shoved in the corner in Florence and no one wanted to touch because other artists had chipped away at it and it was just kind of this ugly piece of marble. That's what I feel like. Then Michelangelo comes along and says, well, I could do something with that. He begins to chip away at it. I mean, it's awkward. It's, it's, it's not nice. And in the end, there is David standing there in his 
illustrious glory. <laughs> I've seen it. I mean, yeah, it's, there's no, you know, you can even get like the little sing. Like, Let's get a close-up. Why do you need a close-up of that? But anyway, there it is. But we think of ourselves as the ugly piece of marble shoved in the corner. No one can use it. Someone has tried it and then they've blown it. But then Michelangelo comes along. All we need is the master. God is your master, and he wants to chip in your life and create in you a wonderful piece of art. You are his masterpiece. He has created a path for you to run, things that only you can do, opportunities that only you will be able to seize. And it's up to you to take the step of faith and to follow him. This is a verse for everyone. It's not just pastors, not just children's ministry directors, not just worship pastors or youth pastors. This is everyone. You have opportunities. And at the end of our lives, God will say, what did you do with it? He will hold you accountable for your life. I'm just, I'm giving you this as a warning and as a great opportunity. Well, I worked hard. I saved up. I put my kids through school. I blah, 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 blah. Nice. The world's going to burn up and all the stuff that you've, killed yourself or will be destroyed what did you do that will last those are the good works it doesn't care about your rsp or your lake lot or your what kind of car you drive or where you've traveled or what clothes you wear what degree you have he does care about how did you invest yourself in the ministry that he gave you to do archie don't quit finish the job there is no retirement in the scriptures. If you are fortunate enough to work in a job which gives you a pension that you can live on in, in your old life, you are given a gift that you can use money that you're receiving from someone else to do the Lord's work. You don't have to pull from the Lord's people. You can actually serve the Lord with money that you get as a pension. I mean, you have a wonderful opportunity if you will take it. Others make excuses, say, well, I'll serve the Lord when. I'll serve the Lord when. And that when never happens. Just start now. Find out the path. Experience his blessing. Let him take his chisel and start carving away on your life. You will be surprised what he can do with your chunk of marble. Archie, don't quit. New Life, church family, don't quit. You watch it online, don't quit. Finish what God started in your life. It will happen as you do ministry with real people in real time. It's about relationships. That's what New Life's all about. We're moving up and out New Life in Jesus Christ together. devil's greatest strategy is to isolate you. You see the evils that happened in our last three years? It's isolation, right? That is what he wants to do. Communism, that's what they did. God's plan is community, together. And so as the church stands there and listens to this letter being read, everyone turns their neck, looks at Archie and says, hey, what are you doing, Archie? Are you going to focus? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to finish? 
And God's word penetrates and looks into our hearts and says, are you going to focus? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to finish? And so even this obscure little guy in the church in Colossae can teach us something. God wasn't done with Archie. He's not done with me, and he's not done with you. Would you commit to finishing well? Maybe to reorienting your life in this next season to strategically include poignant involvement with Alpha, with a group of women, with a group of men, strategically orienting your time and your energy so that you you are investing in others and others are investing in you? Maybe. Maybe you could take a group of kids for a whole year and just invest in their lives every Sunday. Boy, what could happen? We could be sending missionaries out of this church. I don't know what that is. But I know God has a good work for you in mind. And he will bring it to your mind as you follow him and focus faithful finish. If you don't know Jesus Christ, of course, this doesn't make any sense. You need to start that relationship today. You need to get the the race bib on and and start running with us, this race. God invites you. He's like, okay, you're a piece of marble in the corner, but God says, come and let me chisel at you. And that that happens when you enter into a relationship with Christ. And then he begins to to form you and fashion you and use what you are to, to, to become more like Christ and to bless others. A lot of our lives are spent doing stuff that's just necessary, but now God invites us to do something that's internal. So I am encouraging you, inviting you to finish well. Team, would you come up as as we uh, prepare to close? uh, In a few weeks, you'll be given an opportunity to to volunteer to sign up to different ministries, and, and, and some of you will do that. But I'm just saying, it it takes some effort and and initiative on your part. I mean, we can create the pathways and the opportunities, but you got to get up and and run the race. We invite you, we encourage you, because it's good for you. It's it's, it's to your benefit and to God's glory for you to do that. And thank you all of you that have already signed up. Thank you for all of you that served last week. I mean, it's wonderful seeing the church work and serve and grow together. But if you feel like quitting today, don't quit. Feel like dropping out of the race today? Don't drop out. Stay focused. Would you pray with me as we as we close? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, and He rose again for you you to have new life. And you can believe in Jesus Christ today, no matter where you're sitting, watching online, or whether you're in this room. God invites you into a relationship with Him, and it's based fully upon what Christ has done for you on the cross on the empty tomb, on the risen Savior. Believe in Jesus Christ today. And Lord, forgive us when we have lost sight of you. Forgive us where we've allowed other messages to dominate our thinking, to motivate our our behavior. Forgive us, Lord. Refocus our hearts and minds on Jesus Christ today. Help us to be faithful devoted followers of Jesus in all that we do. And Lord, I pray that we could finish well. And Lord, my specific prayer too is for this church family, for each individual here, that you will clearly identify for them good works that you've prepared for the, in advance for them 
but you would show them the path that they are to take this fall, the people they are to invest in, the ministries they are to commit to. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct hearts here that are submissive and surrender to you. That you would receive all the glory and that we could end our lives and you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray this in Jesus' name.